Today, it says up on the board, learning to love. Before we can learn to love, we need to know what love is. What's God tells us in his book about love? Corinthians were some letters that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He, he was prompted to write these letters. I was concentrating, Katie Beth. What I need to do? You're supposed to have me all set up. Don't look at me. Don't look at Katie Beth. That's Katie Beth. I feel like you're putting on my bow tie for a wedding or something. Now we ready? Test, test. Thank you, Katie. Anyway, Paul was was prompted to write this letter because he had received reports that were strife within the church. Paul wanted to motivate that congregation there to acknowledge God's ownership of them and the impact that that had on their lives. And the whole the whole book, not just chapter 13 that we're going to be in today, he talked about unity, morality, spiritual gifts, and the resurrection. And there in verse 1, he says, If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. So right off, it's if I. So this is Paul talking. I mean, he was one of Jesus' closest friends. He, he walked in Jesus' inner circle. He, he, he walked with him. He talked with him. He was personally taught by our Lord and Savior. So right off the, the rip, he wants us to know, even if I, I mean, he's not bragging. I mean, he's just making a statement. You know, the early church planners laid the foundation for the church that we are today. I mean, this that, that statement means something. That if I. And he's telling us that even if he could speak in human or angelic tongues, to add even more weight to it, angels are exalted. And then even if he could do this, to be gifted by the Spirit, but not have love. The most important gift of the Spirit is love. So we need to lay some groundwork on that. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to to saved. He's speaking to his brothers and sisters. So if you're lost and you haven't yet accepted Jesus as your Savior, then you're not capable of the love that we're going to discuss here this morning because the only way that we can love the way Paul's going to write us about is if we're indwelled by the Holy Spirit. It's humanly impossible to love the way God created us to love apart from that Spirit. So that's the groundwork. So if you're lost today, today's the day 
that you need to accept Him as your Savior so that you can start loving the way God created you to love. But to not have love, that's a noisy, clanging cymbal or gong. That's, that's just useless noise. Have you ever heard the kids play over here on the piano? You know, Miss Penny can make it sound beautiful, Miss Carla. But it can just hurt your ears. Or, or someone learning to play the drums or, or a teenager with a new horn. I mean, it's, it's just a screeching, useless noise with no soul or feeling. Well, that's what Paul is saying. Without love, these gifts are worthless. Verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. I mean, these, these are strong words that Paul's putting on us. Understand mysteries and all knowledge. You know, we, we understand that Paul had a deep understanding and knowledge of God's truth. I mean, he understood it front to back. A faith so strong as to move mountains. Paul had the, the faith so strong and, and knowledge so strong that it resulted in miracles. He performed miracles. He was filled with the Spirit. But then he put that but in there. So the but. You see a but. That means something. Do not have love. I am nothing. Now this is Paul talking. The man of God saying that if he has all this knowledge of the Bible, faith that he can perform miracles, but without love, he is nothing. What's that telling us, folks? These are strong words. We have to have this love. If we're going to be effective ambassadors for Jesus, we have to have this love. If we want peace and joy in our homes, we got to have this love. If we want to see the world changed, we got to have this love. Without love, prophecy, knowledge, and faith are not what they seem. They all fail. Love is the spirit of faith. Verse 3, and if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. There's that word nothing again. Those are strong words. Giving and suffering, they're some of the greatest examples of the Spirit. But without love, God rejects it. Nothing and rejects. Them are strong, strong words. Men will fight and die for Christ, but not have His Spirit, which is love. They'll lay down their life, but not have love. It don't seem like that's possible, does it? But that's what it's telling us. So what is this love? You know, I love Brother Cliff. I love Miss Debbie. I love Brother Jeremiah. 
Brother Hugo, Brother Harold. I love Miss Debbie's biscuits. I love my Harley. They're all different. It's a different kind of love. So God's going to tell us. He tells us in these next verses what this love is. How, how it, Paul is talking in this, he's talking about the character of God when he explains love to us. He, Jesus Christ is our example of this love. We're, we're told to love as he loved. So in these next verses, we're going to learn what this love is. In verse 4, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, is not boastful, and is not arrogant. Love is patient. What is patient love? That's able to tolerate delays, problems, without becoming annoyed or aggravated. I'm going to look over my glasses on that one. I struggle. I think we all do for this kind of love. And like I said earlier, it's impossible to love this way. Only by the Spirit can we even hope to accomplish this kind of love. You know, one of my passions here at the church is working with our children. The Kids Haven, the nursery. A couple Sundays ago, I had me and Brother Steve had the toddlers. And, and I think Miss Beth had, had the, kids, the Kids Haven. And it was one of those Sunday, it must have been a hundred degrees at nine o'clock. I mean, air you could wear humid. It was just thick. And we were inside in the air conditioning with little kids because they couldn't take the heat. And Miss Beth, she was outside. I said, Miss Beth, why don't you come on? We'll make this work. Let's, you know, we'll bundle them all together and we'll have sections. Coloring section, dodgeball section. We'll just make this work. Well, that was, I don't know what Sunday that was. I think it was communion Sunday. Anyway, at 12 o'clock, I told Miss Beth, yeah, 12 o'clock. <laughs> kid meter was getting full. I mean, I love them. Don't take that the wrong way. 12, 15, yeah. Gonna be soon, Miss Beth. I can't look at it. Parents gonna be coming back any minute now. 12, 30. Y'all seen that snicker bar commercial? Hangry people? I was getting hungry. I, it, it was it was manifesting itself. I looked, and then I realized it hit me. What am I thinking? I went into the bathroom, and I prayed, Lord, forgive me. This is for your honor and your glory, and we can't put no time on the pastor. We don't know when the Holy Spirit might come in here, someone except Jesus, and we might be here till 3 o'clock. We don't know. We can't put a time on that. Now, I imagine you're going to get to the restaurant early today, but I had to, you got to recognize what we're going to be talking about. You have to recognize it and realize you can't do it. That's, that was a perfect example of me trying to handle it. But when I prayed, God took it, and my whole attitude changed, and it could have lasted till 2 o'clock, but he heard my prayer, and by that time, the doors opened. Parents come back. 
And I said, praise Jesus. Yes. Because it, it, it can even, have you ever been blessed too much? It, 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 I got blessed that day. <clears throat> Love is kind. And that's be good to others. Kind of like our sign this week says, do good and good will come to you. It's you reap what you sow. I've seen people, you know, the older I get, the more I can see that. I can testify to that. I've seen people that have sown bitterness their whole life and they grow up to be old, bitter people. I've seen people that have, have sowed good and even in their older age with ailments, they're joyful. You reap what you're going to sow. In verse 4, I mean 5, yeah, still on verse 4. There we go. Does not envy. thought we changed the verse there. That's jealousy. Jealousy, that, that's, that's an ugly thing. It's, it's keep up with the Joneses. If you envy and jealous, you're never going to have enough. You're always going to want more. You'll never be satisfied. The Bible tells us to be content with what He has given us and where we're at. And if you're envious and jealous, you're never going to find that. You're never going to find that peace. Love is not boastful. It, you know, it's okay to brag about your child if he does good in school. It's okay to share your joy when you receive a promotion at work. We're talking about bragging about your satisfaction in your own achievements. There's no room for God in that. You did it all by yourself. Love is not arrogant. You know, that's when you like to exaggerate your own importance. Like most, there's no room for God. Me, 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 and I, I, I. When, it's, when you're full of yourself, you're, where's room for God in that? We have, we have to, to give it all to Him. We have to realize that it's through that Spirit that He sent and dwell in us that we're able to accomplish anything. We can't, we can't do anything on our own. And when we try, normally we're going to mess it up if we're doing it on our own. Yes, I get dry mouth when I speak. Verse 5. Is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. <clears throat> is not rude. That, that's the opposite of kind. Ill-mannered. You know, and I hate to say it, but I think that's becoming the new normal. In, in our country, not in, in the world. But you know, when you take God out, we took Him out of our schools, we're taking Him out of our government, we're, we're taking God out of wherever we can take God out of, that's what's going to take its place. The opposite of God, God is good, the opposite is bad. Rudeness is going to take its place. Ill-mannered is going to take its place. It's mean, nasty people. And they're, and they're, they're becoming more and more and it's not, it's not supposed to be like that. That's, 
totally opposite of how God wants us to act and treat other people. Love is not self-seeking. You know, that's arrogant and boastful bundled up into a package. That's about what that says. Love is not irritable. Easy to anger, and that's kind of what happened to me last Sunday. You know, I had the the pleasure of serving our country 28 years in the Navy. And I think when you when you make chief in the in the military, they pay you to be angry. It 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 became my job to be an angry man. And as I grew in the Lord, I knew those were that's contrary to each other. And as a as I grew in the Lord and churches started to recognize that maybe I could be a leader in the church. And the first time I was nominated to be a deacon, they came up to me and, and one of the deacons said, hey, you've been nominated to be a deacon. Is there anything in your life that biblical that you think could hinder you from being one of our deacons? And I said, yes, there is. He looked at me like, oh, what are you about to confess? I said, I have anger issues. And I was being honest with him. At the time, I did. I mean, I'd fly off at the drop of a hat. If Dustin were there, he could probably testify to some of that when he was growing up. But I, he, he looked me in the eye and says, I think that's something you need to take up with God. I don't think that could keep you from being a deacon. I've seen you here at the church. And that kind of hit me between the eyes. Am I living different at church than I am in the world? Again, I took that to God, and He took that. He, he, I, I wish I could stand up here and say I never get angry, but I can't. I still, like Pastor preached a while back on buttons. I, I have buttons, <clears throat> but they're hard to push. Whereas used to, you could swipe it, and that thing would be there. Now you got to pound on it to make me go there. And hopefully I won't go there because of the Spirit is stronger that lives in me than I am. And if I let it, it'll take over and that anger won't ever manifest itself. <clears throat> you kind of got to get irritable before you get angry. And when I feel myself getting irritable, I find that quiet place and God will take it from me. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. You know, have you ever been in an argument with someone they get historical on you? <laughs> Especially spouses, you know, don't bring up my past. I don't live there no more. I'm a new creature. I don't need to hear what I used to be. That's keeping records of wrongs. Aren't we just praise Jesus? He don't keep a record. We've been washed clean. When we accept Him as our Savior, our past, present, and future sins are washed whiter than snow. He's not going to bring up a record of wrongs. So that's telling us that we can't either. But humanly, you will. You do me wrong, I'm going to do you back ten times. That's retaliation. You know, we, we can't retaliate. We have to make allowances for those who wrong us when we got this kind of love. We have to take the high road. We, we can't. The Bible tells us that we're going to be judged as we judge. So, if we keep records, isn't that judging someone? If we're keeping records of their wrong, I think that's a form of judgment. Do we want God to 
judge us while we stand before him? No. So we can't do it here on earth. While we walk on this earth, we need to make allowances because people are going to do us wrong. They just, I wish I could say they wouldn't, but they are. It's part of life. What Paul is telling us, he's personifying love in order to show its daily character and choices. The way he's writing this, he wants to show us how it manifests itself every day and how it's choices that we make. Miss Debbie would be so proud if she were here right now. I didn't say choose. <laughs> choices. We have choices. This church that he's writing to as our church would recognize these faults as taking place among them. And, and we need to recognize amongst ourselves in this church, in our homes, our work, that it's in our lives too. Pastor has been preaching the last couple months on kings. And almost every Sunday, it's been in there about cleaning out our houses. We need to clean our houses. That's where it starts. We need to clean our houses and start loving and treating others as Christ commanded us. And when we do, we're going to change our homes, we can change our workplaces, and we can change our church. Can you can you picture if each one of us can live this kind of love, the difference that it would make to people around us? It's, it's contagious. Love is contagious. And if we can do it here, we can start something that will spread and maybe just catch the whole world on fire. Verse 6. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Let's say love, rather, love rejoices in, in the, it's with the truth. It's part of the truth. We're talking about the gospel truth, the word of God. This is, this right here is love's best ally. They're hand in hand. They go together. There is no joy in unrighteousness. There's no joy in sin. Unrighteousness is sin. Stays away from unrighteousness. Run from it. Like I said earlier, last Sunday, pastor was preaching about the last four kings and how they had turned their, you just turned so evil that God said enough's enough. And he sent judgment on them. Why should we think we're any different? We, that's, as I said, <clears throat> to me, there's nothing no more fearful than the thought that I have got to the point to where God says enough's enough. And he's going to judge me. That there's, as a human, there's no more fearful place to be than at the end of God's rope. But there, God is grace and mercy. But there is a point to where you can harden your heart to where He won't talk to you no more. And that is a hopeless place to be. 
I hope no one that can hear me talk this morning ever gets to a place where they have hardened their heart to the point that God no longer speaks to you because then there's only one eternity and that's going to be eternity in hell. We all know heaven's real. Well, hell is as real as heaven. And through all of this on love, God's telling us He doesn't want anyone to go there. No one. But if we turn our backs enough, then He will eventually quit talking to us. Verse 7. It bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, and endures all things. To bear something. To bear something, that means that we're going to endure it without talking about it. That's to bear something. It's between us and God. We can... You know, God wants us to share our burdens with Him. And sometimes it's good to share our burdens with fellow brothers and sisters. But to bear something, that means we, we, we bear it up through the Spirit that's in us. You know, life isn't fair. There, there's going to be storms. I mean, we're going to get ingrown toenails that hurt. Some of us will get hemorrhoids that hurt even worse. You're going to have to go to the emergency room. I mean, there's going to be, there's, there's going to be storms. But with the love that we're talking about, and it seems impossible, but we can bear even that with joy in our hearts. God will take it. He don't want us to bear it. He wants to carry our burdens. But it's, we have to give them to Him. If we try to carry it on our own, then He'll let us carry it on our own. But if we give it to Him, you'll see miracles in your life. You'll see, I'm not saying that He'll heal you of what it is that's wrong, but you'll see it in a whole different light and have a whole different attitude about it. I can promise you that. But the only, by the comfort of that Holy Spirit again dwelling in us, are we able to do that? You know, we can see a glass as half empty or we can see the glass as half full. We make that choice. Believes all things. That's saying that with a good conscience, we want to think well of others. We want to see the good in all things. You know, you can do Ten things right in a row, just excel and overachieve at them. But you make one mistake, and everybody forgets those ten things you did. You did outstanding. They only remember that one thing you did bad. But with this kind of love, we need to see the good in all things. There's good in most things. But for the way the world is right now, it's teaching us and training us to see the bad. Don't even see it. Look at the good. Look past the bad. Hopes all things. That means that we expect good and desire good from and to other people. That should be our hope. We should hope 
and good for others while we hope for good for ourselves. If we spread enough good like that sign said, it's going to come back. Endures all things. That's persecution's coming and it's going to come. But with this love in us, we'll be able to take that persecution and wrongdoing with a patient, I've already said what that was, and loving spirit. Because we, as saved people, and that's who he's talking to, we have the expectation that we're going to spend eternity with our Lord and our Savior. What? What can they do to us? Kill us? Send me to home to Jesus. What can they do to us? They can. As long as we keep the Spirit and feed that Spirit, then God will strengthen us that there's nothing that anyone on this earth can do to us that we won't be able to endure. That's a big, powerful statement. But that's what the Bible tells us. But we have to get away from this I think I can do it. Because you can. I can. He can. Keep our eye on the prize. Verse 8. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. Love never ends. It's forever. It's eternal. Our eternity in heaven with Jesus is going to be filled with love. It never stops. But as for prophecy and tongues and knowledge, all of these will be superseded with the coming of Christ. But love will never end. You know that song. Will I stand for you, Jesus? Or to my knees will I fall? Now you all know why I don't sing. We can't comprehend it. We just can't comprehend it. But those come to an end. That's what he's telling us. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. But love never. Ends. I'm going to drop on down to verse 11 and 12. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. But then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. That's like that song I just sang. We in our earthly minds can't comprehend what Jesus has prepared. It's too beautiful to describe. It's too joyful. I, I can. It's unexplainable in earthly words what He has done for us and what He's doing for us and where we're going to spend our eternity. All these other things that he's talking about, the gifts, they're going to end. The prophecies are going to end because they're going to be fulfilled. 
when we stand with our Lord and Savior. These things will be fulfilled. But love will live on because we will be in an indescribable, surrounded by love that we can't right now understand. It's too deep. But as we dig into His Word and study His Word, He enlightens us and we can learn more about it. In our daily walk, if we stay in His Word and in prayer and meditation and talking to Him, He he explains more and more to us every day. I've preached on this same chapter before. We call it preaching. I've spoken on it before. But this is a whole different set of sermon notes that has hardly anything of what I spoke about last time. It's amazing what He feeds us when we open our hearts up to Him and dwell in His Word and and, and let him in what he'll show us and guide us to. It's just, it's just amazing. Verse 13, now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. He says now. That's today. Now means now. Right now. At this moment in time. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. Like I said a while ago, in a sense, faith will be done away with when we see Jesus. When we stand before Him, we see Him. We touch Him. Faith, we say, is unseen. Well, we're going to stand before Him. Why will we need faith? It's fulfilled. Hope will be done away with because standing before Him, it's fulfilled. What what do we have to hope for when we're standing with Jesus Christ in eternity in heaven? It's fulfilled. We have no more hope. It's there. We can't imagine that now, what that's going to feel like not to have faith and hope. Can you imagine? I wish I could sing that again, but I'm afraid to. I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. I I wish I could describe it. Love alone never fails. Love is connected hand in hand with the Holy Spirit that dwells with. We cannot do it on our own. God created us to love this way, and He wouldn't have created us to love a way that that we couldn't. Because we can do it through the Holy Spirit. But if you're trying to love this way without it, you're going to find it's not going to happen. You're going to get irritable. You're going to get angry. You're going to keep a record of wrongs. You're going to retaliate when people do you wrong. You just, it's, I don't want to say human nature because God made us. That's, that's how we've made ourselves. That's what we've let ourselves become. We've let ourselves become rude and nasty. God don't want us that way. You know, we have faith, hope, and love as believers. Well, unbelievers have three things too. They have this unbelief, despair, and hate. We see it. I know there are some lost people out here who live good lives. They, they, they're good, productive citizens, but they're lost. And if you're lost, then you have unbelief and despair. If you don't know Him today as your Lord and Savior, Now's the time. Today's the time. You need to accept Him. You need to give your heart to Jesus. 
so that you can start loving the way God wants you to love. For my brothers and sisters in Christ, today's the day that we need to start loving our families, our co-workers, our brothers and sisters in Christ the way God designed it, the way God wants us to do. Today's the day. We, we need to make up our minds and, and just quit delaying. Do it today. Change things. If you keep plowing the same row that you've always plowed, you're going to get the same crop you've always planted. Today's the day. Plow a new field. Plant a new crop. Let God change your life. In closing, I want to read what Charles Spurgeon says about this chapter. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. The love of which so much is spoken of in this chapter is absolutely essential to true godliness. So essential is this that if we have everything else but do not have this love, it profits us nothing. This love is not the prerogative of a few, but it must be the possession of all believers. This love has four sweet companions. They are tenderness that bears all things, faith that believes all things, and hope that hopes all things, and patience that endures all things. Love bears all things. The word rendered bear might as correctly have been translated covers. This love both covers and bears all things. It never proclaims the errors of others. It refuses to see fault unless it may kindly help in their removal. It stands in the presence of a fault with its finger on its lips. It does not attempt to make a catalog of wrongs. Love believes all things. It references. In reference to our fellow Christian, love always believes the best of them. This love believes good of others as long as it can. And when it is forced to fear that wrong has been done, love will readily yield to evidence, but will give the accused brother or sister the benefit of many doubts. Some persons habitually believe everything that is bad about others. They are not the children of love. Love hopes all things. Love never despairs. We should never despair of our fellow Christians. As to the unconverted, we will never do anything with them unless we hope great things about them. We need to cultivate great hopefulness among sinners. Love endures all things. This refers to a patient perseverance in loving. This is perhaps the hardest work of all for many people can be affectionate and patient for a time, but the task is to hold on year after year in reference to our fellow Christians. Love holds out under all rebuffs. It, we endure not some things, but all things for Christ's sake. As to the unconverted, they may shut their ears and refuse to hear us, but never mind, because we can endure all things. Charles Spurgeon, he summed that up. That's what we need to do, folks. We need to let love be our new guide. Get rid of malice, hate, 
unkindness. We need to let him take the lead in our lives. Let us pray. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for your word and let it change your heart. Let it today to guide and lead us.